You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato. We're about to talk some wild card action little bit of review of what happened this weekend. You know what? We're not talking a lot about the New York Giants on this show. The New York Giants did not make the playoffs, but they are in an intense search for their next general manager, somebody to fix the mess that was left behind by Dave Gettleman. And that's going to turn into an overall coach search, which is something I'm in incredibly interested in i want to know who's going to be the play caller next year that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the head coach could be a special teams coordinator like joe judge could be a defensive mind like a steve spagnola not saying that the giants would go in that direction there are plenty of candidates the giants are going to look into and i think that is a fascinating conversation that we'll be talking about extensively and we have been talking about extensively on the chris and joe show on the same podcast feed but on this show we will be discussing the wild card weekend. And I gotta say, man, the Giants sucked this year. There's no doubt about it. But it was fantastic watching two NFC East teams fall flat on their face during this wild card weekend. None better than the Dallas Cowboys losing to the San Francisco 49ers 23-17 in Jerry World. We'll be going over that game. How amazing was that loss to witness for us Giant fans who have really not a lot to cheer about this season so watching Dallas be the higher seed host a playoff game and then lose to San Francisco like that amazing I mean in terms of the Eagles no one thought they were going to defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady in Tampa it was an unrealistic thought Philadelphia didn't beat anybody all season they were really not a good football team the seven seeds them and the Steelers did not show up all too well definitely not validating the new playoff format they're both of them being blown out Tampa Bay beat Philadelphia 31 to 15 it was a lot worse than that and then Kansas City beat Pittsburgh 42 to 21 that one was a little bit more interesting because TJ Watt ended up coming away with a pick six against Pat Mahomes it looked like oh wow this could be a game and the next thing you know Pat Mahomes just rattled off touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and the game was over and that ended 42 to 21 but let's dive into this Raiders Bengals game now one of the main takeaways in this game was honestly not the Bengals and not the Raiders it was the officiating in the game the refs were horrible to the point where the Cincinnati Bengals scored a touchdown where a whistle was blown midway through the play the whistle was blown. They ended up giving the touchdown to the Cincinnati Bengals, and rightfully so. The Raiders were really, really upset about this, and there were several other blown calls throughout this game. I mean, there was a review of a Hunter Renfro non-catch that lasted an extended amount of time. It was just a terribly officiated game. There was a roughing the passer call and a two-minute drill against the Cincinnati Bengals that was really, really ticky-tacky. And you never want to see officials insert themselves and be the storyline in the game. That's exactly what Jerome Boger and that crew did. And now it came out the next day that Boger and that crew, that specific crew, will not be officiating for the rest of the playoffs. It's probably for the best because that was a really, really bad way to start the playoff season here, wild card weekend, when 
the storyline of the game is possibly the officials, all the mess-ups, just how inefficient they were at figuring out what the heck was going on. Just a terrible, terrible look for the NFL. But you know what? The officiating usually tends to struggle. It wasn't the only time it struggled throughout Wild Card Weekend. But in terms of the X's and O's, man, I liked how the Bengals started. You know, I, I liked how the Raiders started. The Bengals came out fast. They were putting everything on Joe Burrow's shoulders early. They started out in empty formation on their first two plays. They weren't just, you know, okay, let's go and, you know, 21 personnel, try to run the football and, and play conservatively. They were like, no, we have Joe Burrow, we have Jamar Chase, and we're going to attack you. And that's exactly what they did. And Joe Burrow finished with 244 passing yards in his game, two touchdowns, and he was looking at Jamar Chase a lot. He had 12 targets in this game, caught nine of them for 116 yards. CJ Uzama caught all six of his targets for 64 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Boyd ended up getting a touchdown in this game. And Joe Mixon, he didn't really do too much on the ground, but they gave him work and he was moving the chains as much as he could. And he was also involved as a receiver. But this game, I felt like the Raiders played well. It came down to the wire. I mean, it came all the way down to the final three plays where the Raiders had an opportunity to send this game to overtime. It was a 26-19 win by the Bengals. And I got to give a lot of credit to Josh Jacobs. He finished 13 carries for 83 yards, and he really put the team on his back for a lot of those drives. I mean, that second field goal that the Raiders ended up getting, that was a drive basically purely on Josh Jacobs' back and his ability to bust off these long runs against a pretty solid Cincinnati Bengals defense, albeit a defense that was relatively injured throughout this game. They lost Mike Daniels early in the game, one of the better run defenders in the league, at least he used to be when he was with the Packers, and he's still a solid player. You had Trey Hendrickson also leave the game for a portion with a concussion, and they also lost another defensive lineman as well. Larry Ogunjobi, who is somebody who was drafted by the Browns, played with the Browns, came over to Cincinnati. He's a really underrated defensive lineman. So the Bengals were pretty beat up up front, and Josh Jacobs kind of took advantage of that. But a lot of mistakes, man. The Raiders made, made a lot of mistakes in this game. I mean, they had a nice drive, but they had a lot of early errors that ended up hurting them. Remember, they left Foster Moreau on Trey Hendrickson that ended up leading to a sack. You had the Peyton Barber kickoff fiasco where it was something that reminds a lot of Giant fans of Bobby Rainey, unfortunately, where Peyton Barber thought he stepped out of bounds before he had possession, but he didn't. So the Raiders had to start their drive at like the two-yard line or somewhere inside the five. You had a couple big drops by Deshaun Jackson. You had a big drop by Brian Edwards right before halftime. So they were just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You also had Teron Johnson had a 40-yard kickoff return that the Raiders couldn't take advantage of at all because of another Deshaun uh, Jackson drop. So when you have that many mistakes, it's hard to win football games, especially playoff football games, but the Raiders got themselves into position. I mean, they scored a touchdown to Zay Jones right before halftime. That was really, really huge. And they were taking advantage of those injuries to the Cincinnati Bengals. And their defense was stepping up when they needed to be, kind of forcing Bengals field goals and, and, and holding them from really just kind of tallying on and making this game be blown out of proportion. They kept it within striking distance. They got a couple of nice calls from the refs, and I think that kind of went both ways, but none more egregious than the touchdown with the, the whistle. That was just an odd circumstance that went down there. But then you had the B.J. Hill sack, and you thought it was over, but Derek Carr on third down threw an insane pass up the seam to Darren Waller to help put his guys in position to win this football game. Unfortunately, the Raiders could not end up getting it done, but this was one of the more entertaining games because a lot of the games on this slate sucked. I mean, the Pittsburgh-Kansas City game, 
wasn't competitive. Arizona Rams on Monday night was not competitive. Buffalo, New England, we'll briefly go over that right now. Absolutely, unequivocally, not competitive. And you don't want to watch games like that because it's just depressing. These are playoff teams. These should be the best of the best. And you have the Patriots just getting absolutely trounced by the Buffalo Bills, 47-17. to This is the third time these teams are playing each other. The Bills came out, and what they do? They scored a touchdown. They picked off Mac Jones. A beautiful interception on that play by Micah Hyde. I don't even know how he got over there. Incredible range. And then another touchdown. So they started with a Dawson Knox touchdown, followed it up with an interception by Micah Hyde, and followed up by another Dawson Knox touchdown, and then a three and out for Mac Jones, and then a Devin Singletary touchdown run, and then Five plays and out, followed up by a Devin Singletary 16-yard run. So you're talking about just incredible offense to start this game for the Bills. Super efficient, just getting it done on every single level. Then what happens to start the second half? Mac Jones throws an interception. It was intended for Hunter Henry. Levi Wallace picks it off. And then you have Bills touchdown. Finally, the Patriots are able to assemble an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive capped off by a Kendrick Bourne touchdown. But guess what followed that? Another Bills touchdown. And then the Bills followed that up with another touchdown. The Bills did not punt once in this football game. They were just scoring touchdowns. They put up 47 points in this game. It's astronomical to think about. That is incredible offense. And Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator of the Bills, is in the running to possibly be the Giants' next head coach. Well, if he keeps putting playoff scripts like this together, especially against an incredible coach like Bill Belichick, who is returning, thankfully, because if he wasn't, this would be a terrible way for him to go out, somebody of his stature. Well, and he's going to be highly sought after, and he's going to have his pickings of jobs, and the Giants will more than likely be one of those jobs that he could be picking at. Because, I mean, that nice... Beautiful opening drive by Brian Dayball. You you can just do whatever you want with Josh Allen. You can kick him out. You can roll him out. You can try to establish a run, build a play-action game off of him, and they were doing all of these things. And then you can use him on designed quarterback runs. You can also bank on him when the play does break down. He can extemporize and pick up yards with his legs, something else he did all throughout this game. So it's Josh Allen in this game. I mean, he's an exceptional talent, obviously. Josh Allen finished with six rushes for 66 yards, finished with 308 passing yards, five touchdowns, and four incompletions. I think the only time that's ever been done before, and someone could check me on this, was Kurt Warner. That's just how incredible this performance was in the playoffs. I'm talking about not in the regular season as well. So anytime this happened in the playoffs. And he was finding everybody. Steph Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, Manuel Sanders had a touchdown, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, Cole Beasley, you name it. So I think this is going to be wildly interesting to see what the Buffalo Bills can do next week when they play the Chiefs. That's going to be such an entertaining game. That is the Sunday night game. You have the Bengals-Titans Saturday at 4.30 Eastern Time, 49ers-Packers 8.15 Eastern Time on Saturday, and then Sunday's Rams-Bucks at 3, Bills-Chiefs at 6.30. Sign me up for that, man. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But before we get into the rest of these playoff games, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The first game on a Sunday was the Eagles losing 15-31 to those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you know what? This game was interesting early on. I felt like the Buccaneers came out. They were bailed out by that roughing the passer against Derek Barnett on the first drive of this game. The roughing the passer is getting a little ridiculous, but to Tampa Bay's credit, it was a 12-play, 75-yard drive. Keyshawn Vaughn looked really good on the first play, specifically ripping off a 17-yard run right up the gut, and it was capped off by a Giovanni Bernard touchdown run. And this script kind of went the way a lot of people would have expected. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers only scored 31 points. I think they could have scored probably a lot more. Tom Brady would be the first to probably say that because they had several three and outs throughout this game. I think they had four or five three and outs throughout this game, which is not necessarily something that is similar or synonymous with Tom Brady's playoff play. And that's a credit to the Eagles defense and their their front guys that they have. They were able to go up against backups for some of this game because Tristan Wirfs ended up injuring his ankle and now he's walking around on a walking boot. Hopefully he'll be available for the Buccaneers on Sunday. Ryan Jensen was also dinged up but he returned shortly after. I don't even know if he ended up missing a play because that guy's an absolute beast as well. The injury I guess wasn't all that severe. And the refs also inserted themselves into this game. There was a blown call on a Dallas Goddard screen that kind of would have sparked this offense because the offense is a little bit Painful to watch sometimes when they can't run the football. But that was a phantom kind of hold against Jason Kelsey. It's just something you don't want to see. If you're going to throw a flag on that, you have to be sure. And it wasn't there from everything that I saw and I collected. But it was cool to see, and again, this is the Eagles. It was cool to see the Eagles defense really stiffen up after Gannon really changed his approach. Because early on in this game, they were playing a lot of soft zone. And then they went to press man. And it kind of threw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off a little bit. And I think that's more than likely a reason why we saw the Bucs struggle a little bit the end of the second quarter into the third quarter, where they had three consecutive three and outs. But Jalen Hurts just couldn't take advantage of it. He turned the ball over on downs, and then he ended up throwing an interception to Mike Edwards, which was a beautiful interception on that play. So... The script to defeat Jalen Hurts has kind of been laid out. And Patrick Graham and the Giants did a good job taking advantage of this as well. And it's stop the run. Do not allow the Eagles, who are one of the best rushing teams in football, to run. And you force Jalen Hurts to throw the ball. And if you do that, you can defeat Jalen Hurts. And a lot of teams who are good, and even teams that aren't good, like the New York Giants, were able to figure out that game plan and defeat Jalen Hurts. Because he doesn't have the accuracy. He doesn't have the touch. Sometimes he has the look and he doesn't take it. It's a little bit indecisive. 
just not there in terms of throwing intermediate to deep. You see flashes of it, but it's not nearly consistent enough. So if you can contain him and not allow him to beat you with his legs, then you have a good shot of winning against Jalen Hurts. There's a reason why Tua Tagovailoa ends up replacing Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Now, he went to Oklahoma Hurts, and I would say that he developed a lot more as a passer. I think he got more accurate. And this is basically his rookie season, because last year he only played in four or five games, because Carson Wentz was a starting quarterback of Philadelphia. But he has to fix that accuracy if he wants to be the long-term guy there. It's definitely doable. He's still a young guy. But that's the game plan on Jalen Hurts. You don't allow him to throw. You have a good shot of winning. And that's exactly what the Buccaneers did in this game. Credit to Todd Bowles in that defense, flying around the field like crazy. Credit to Tom Brady, 271 yards, two touchdowns, 29 of 37. Credit to Mike Evans, who had a touchdown, caught nine of his 10 targets for 117 yards. And now we'll see how they hold up against the Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be a good game. Now let's talk about one of the more enjoyable games to watch. And that is those Dallas Cowboys losing to the San Francisco 49ers. 23-17 in Jerry World. Love to see it. And my gosh, the way to beat the 49ers is you have to get them off script. You cannot allow them to punish you with that rushing attack. And the 49ers received the opening kick. And what did they do? They drove the football down the Dallas Cowboys' throat. Seven plays, 75 yards. You have Debo Samuel as the halfback, lining him up in the backfield, doing a lot of creative different things. You bring in Elijah Mitchell. You run a bunch of different running schemes. You got power. You got outside zone. You're hitting him with everything you have. You got some trick plays up your sleeve. And you're just absolutely taking advantage of Dallas's inability to stop you from rushing the football because you're one of the best running football teams and you just got your great left tackle back number 71 Trent Williams to help you dominate and that's exactly what he helped you do got his first playoff win of his illustrious career so far man and I gotta say dude Cowboys they could come back and make a statement but what does Nick Bosa do big sack huge three and out for the San Francisco 49ers forcing Dallas to punt the football and Dallas ends up going up 10-0 early on a huge third down conversion by Jimmy Garoppolo to to get the field goal on the next drive a nine play 23 yard drive but you got to give credit to Dallas's defense kind of forced a field goal because San Francisco ran I think it was a throwback play action rollout and Kittle was wide open and it was missed by Jimmy Garoppolo because he had some pressure on him that could have went up 14-0 and made this game even more ridiculous early on because this game ended up kind of getting competitive you know Dallas towards the end of the first half had that huge drive that was capped off by Amari Cooper's touchdown Dallas, I mean, other than that, though, they were, they were shooting themselves in the foot like crazy, wildly undisciplined team. I think they had, I'm going to look it up right now, but I think it was 14 penalties, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 14 penalties for 89 yards. Man, they had neutral zone infractions by Randy Gregory. They had two false starts consecutively, one on the third and four, and then another on a third and nine. And that was the first drive in the second half. So that was in the third quarter. You had the Connor Williams holding penalty that negated that really big catch to C.D. Lamb. I think there was another holding penalty by Lyle Collins later on in the game that negated a huge catch by C.D. Lamb. It was like Dallas couldn't get out of their own way. And then if you look at the final stats here, San Francisco had 341 yards, Dallas had 307. Not a huge disparity. Each team had a turnover because Jimmy Garoppolo had that devastating interception that put Dallas right back in the game. San Francisco had 21 first downs. Dallas had 20. Possession, 
San Francisco had a little bit more possession, 33-57 to 26-03. But this game was close. It was down to the wire. But San Francisco controlled it. They dictated the terms for the majority of the game. I mean, you have Elijah Mitchell finishing with 27 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. You have Debo Samuel, 10 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. That's just rushing the football there on the road. You have 169 rushing yards on the road. Dallas had 77. Dallas couldn't do anything on the ground. That's because the 49ers have a really good run defense, and Fred Warner ended up getting hurt later in that game. Nick Bosa ended up getting hurt later in that game. San Francisco, where they were taking their lumps, hopefully both of them will be available. I really hope so, because those are two of the my favorite defensive players to watch in the entire league. But if you go even after halftime here, you had those two false starts, and then what happened after that? Dak ended up getting sacked. But there was a roughing the kicker penalty on the punt. So roughing the punter, if you want to call it that. Dallas ends up getting the ball back. And that was a huge swing right there. It was a fourth and 20. But then what ends up happening? They find themselves in a third and seven, the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott tries to connect on a short pass to CeeDee Lamb. Jordan Willis is right there. And then you have to force the punt. They can't take advantage of the gift that was given to you by a terrible play from someone who was just called up from the practice squad by the San Francisco 49ers. And then San Francisco can't do anything either. They punt the football. Dak Prescott comes out there, throws an interception. And then San Francisco scores on the very next play a Debo Samuel 26-yard rushing touchdown, which made the score 23-7. But there was some resiliency after that Jimmy Garoppolo interception. Dak Prescott ends up leading five-play 28-yard drive and he rushes that touchdown in. He ends up turning the football over on downs on the next play, on that Cedric Wilson pass where he was open, but he put it to the wrong shoulder. And then even later in the game, you had the huge penalty against Gallimore where he puts the hands in the face of the interior offensive lineman of San Francisco. That helped extend a drive by the San Francisco 49ers. Huge, just back-breaking plays. But even with all of that happening, the penalty to Randy Gregory when he tackled the offensive guard who was pulling to extend a San Francisco drive, even with those penalties, Dallas was still in a position to possibly win this football game. Would have been devastating for us Giant fans, but they were in a position because they forced... The San Francisco 49ers to punt the football. And that was when San Francisco was playing incredibly conservatively. They were just trying to burn Dallas's timeouts. There was about 140 left in the game. They were just running the football, burning the timeouts, and then attempting to get the football back to Dallas late. And it was really incredible, to be honest, because San Francisco, with the Debo Samuel play on the third and 10, looked like they had the first down, but an official replay showed that he was a little short. Trent Williams takes the false start penalty on the fourth and one. They punt the football, and Dak Prescott has 32 seconds to drive down the football field. San Francisco is doing a really dubious job stopping them, allowing Dak Prescott to find Cedric Wilson for nine yards, find Tony Pollard for 10, and then Dalton Schultz for nine yards, getting Dallas in a position to where they could actually throw a Hail Mary realistically and score. Then San Francisco adjusts. They align their defense on the sidelines. So the middle of the field is open. Dak Prescott knows that. And then he calls that quarterback sneak that a lot of people are going to be talking about. 
or Mike McCarthy does, Kellen Moore does. The collective decision by the Dallas Cowboys to have Dak Prescott with no timeouts and 14 seconds left on the clock run a quarterback sneak to set up the Hail Mary was something they probably want back. Now, the execution by Dak Prescott was terrible in the sense that he didn't know to give the football to the ref. You have to give the football to the ref in that situation. There's no doubt about it. It's a huge mistake. You don't give it to your center. It has to be set by the referee or else we'd be putting the football at the one-yard line all the time. And then the clock runs out. He spikes it. Clock's done. Ref runs away. But it was the right call by the ref. Bad execution by the Dallas Cowboys. Questionable call by the Dallas Cowboys. I get you taking the yards while they're there to set up a reasonable chance to score the touchdown to send your team to a win. Because you went down by six points, man. Now, you would have to make that kick, but presumably you would. But a terrible, terrible ending to the season for the Dallas Cowboys. And great for the New York Giants, really. Because the Giants are two picks in the top 10. They cleaned the slate. They got rid of Joe Judge. Dave Gettleman's not there anymore. Yeah, their roster's not that great. I mean, I think their roster is better than a lot of people around the league probably do. I think they have some building blocks there. Some of them are a little bit older. They have no cap space. Their cap situation's horrible. But at least we knew the Giants were bad for a long time. Dallas was going into this game thinking that they could make a legitimate Super Bowl push. And they got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. So bye-bye, Dallas. Remember when Zeke rushed for that one touchdown? I think it was actually a pass. And he was waving bye-bye as he skipped in. Back the first game, well, he can do that to himself now in the mirror because Dallas is on the bench. I know Stephen A. Smith is laughing somewhere right now, as are most Giant fans. But that's enough time spent on these Dallas Cowboys. We don't have to talk about them for the rest of this offseason because they will not be in the divisional round. It will be the San Francisco 49ers. Neither will the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger's career, which seems to now be over, as the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, 42 to 21 in this game you know like I said early on in this game it it looked like it could be interesting it really really did it was a slow start and then you had Pat Mahomes throw that interception that was picked off by Devin Bush and then you had the TJ Watt fumble return for a touchdown that was in the beginning of the second quarter and it was like, oh, wow, this game might be, you know, low-key kind of cool, you know. But then Pat Mahomes turned it on. Eight-play, 76-yard drive, capped off by a four-yard touchdown pass to Jarek McKinnon, who was a focal point in this game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jarek McKinnon came back from injury recently. He was on the injured reserve. He came back, and you could tell that they wanted to get him involved. His skill set is a little bit more unique than Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is a good running back. Jarek McKinnon has this certain level of athletic ability, burst, and explosiveness in space that the Kansas City Chiefs wanted to maximize. So 7-7 at this point. Three and out for Pittsburgh's offense. Seven plays, 74 yards, another touchdown, by Patrick Mahomes, a 12-yard pass to Byron Priggle, three and out for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and a six-play 80-yard drive capped off by a Travis Kelsey 48-yard touchdown pass. So now it goes into halftime, 21-7. to Kansas City receives the ball, nine plays, 68 yards, capped off by a Nick Allegretti one-yard touchdown pass, and that is an offensive lineman. And when offensive linemen start to score on you in the playoffs, you know it's not getting pretty. And we all know that Andrew Thomas scored a touchdown this year, and that was... Not pretty for the other team, to be honest with you, because it's honestly not pretty for the Giants, if I'm really going to think about it, because you had an offensive tackle, which is cool, having him score a touchdown, 
but you had Kadarius Tony not score a touchdown this year. You had Kenny Galladay not score a touchdown this year. And that's just never a great look. But in terms of this game right here, it just got ugly very, very fast. You had a fumble after the nine-play 68-yard drive by Najee Harris, who never fumbles the football. And then two plays later, Tyreek Hill catches a 31-yard touchdown, and the game is just blown up at this point. There were a few more touchdowns that ended up coming up, but it was all mostly in garbage time. Patrick Mahomes did his thing, sets up this really, really anticipated matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills next week on Sunday night. Pittsburgh and Kansas City split time of possession in this game. Kansas City had 478 yards. Pittsburgh had 257 in this game. We're going to remember it. It's Ben Roethlisberger's last game, more than likely. He was 29 of 44, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Ben has not had his best farewell season, but no one expected Pittsburgh to make the playoffs with this offense. Their defense is still respectable, but with this offense. But Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the National Football League, and he helped get this team to the postseason. Obviously, he was helped by Indianapolis <laughs> losing to Jacksonville and the Raiders and the Chargers not finishing in a tie. But at the end of the day, they get to the promised land here, which is not really the promised land. It's just the wild card playoffs, but it's still something that is respectable in the NFL, despite the fact that the game necessarily wasn't. Speaking of games that weren't respectable, the Cardinals forgot to show up in Los Angeles as they lose on Monday Night Football, just got done watching this game, 34-11. to Matt Stafford poured it on with less than 20 passing attempts. 13-17 of 17 for 202 yards and two touchdowns. Odell Beckham also threw a 40-yard pass in this game. Look, the Cardinals couldn't do anything offensively you know what man this game should have been a lot worse i feel like the cardinals defense kept them in this game for the second and third quarter until it just got a little bit out of hand and matt gay and the rams started kicking some field goals down the stretch and and kyler murray in this offense just couldn't do anything he threw two interceptions 137 yards 19 of 34 that is tragically inefficient they just did not show up they did nothing on the ground i felt like they didn't even try to do a lot on the ground early on in this game they were putting a lot on kyler murray who couldn't get it done against this rams defense who were just flying around the field because this was just three and out three and out three and out three and out uh, three play, three yard interception for the Rams that let them go up from 14 nothing to 21 nothing. So at this point of the game, we're at about eight minutes left in the second quarter, and the Cardinals haven't had anything more than a three play drive. That is just terrible. That's horrendous. And at this point, the Rams had a 10 play, 52 yard drive capped off by an Odell Beckham Jr. touchdown, and then a nine play, 68 yard drive capped off by a Matt Stafford quarterback sneak that was a touchdown that was reviewed validating the touchdown. And it wasn't until almost midway through the second quarter where the Cardinals had a 7-play 35-yard drive, but Kyler Murray tried to hit James Conner on a little screen, and he throws an interception. It was just a terrible showing. And the next drive, it's three plays, one yard. So really, other than that interception drive, the Cardinals did nothing in the first quarter offensively. They finally got on the board with a 12-play 75-yard drive capped off by a James Conner touchdown and then a two-point conversion pass to Wesley. But it was just a terrible showing by Kyler Murray, a terrible showing by Cliff Kingsbury. 
and a physical game by the Los Angeles Rams, a team that not is not necessarily known as a, phys- a physical team. Now, I feel like Sean McVay, if he had what he wanted, he would just run the football. I mean, I feel like a lot of coaches are like that, but this offense is based off of running the football, working the play-action pass, getting Cooper Cup open, and having Matt Stafford kind of do his thing as a quarterback, competent quarterback. And then Matt Stafford gets his playoff win here because he's only been in the playoffs with the Detroit Lions and they don't win playoff games. Sony Michelle, 13 carries, 58 yards. Cam Akers, 17 carries for 55 yards. They were able to do enough on the ground, control the clock, keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines. Not that Kyler Murray was doing anything when he was out on the field because he wasn't. And the Rams just embarrassed the Cardinals. It's just one of those, man, wild, wild games that nothing could go right for the Cardinals. Even the A.J. Green catch gets challenged and overturned. And that was with about eight minutes left. It was a nice pass by Kyler Murray that would have been a first down and actually would have made the Cardinals not have a three-play drive. And then the pick six came after that, after it was ruled an incompletion because it got forced loose by the Rams' safety. So there was just nothing going on. And the game got chippy down the stretch. And Aaron Donald trying to fight DJ Humphreys. And a lot of different things going on here. Kelvin Beecham was getting in on it. But the Rams, they go and they play Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think we're set up well for the divisional round. Because you looked at a bunch of these games in the wild card round. You're like, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, no. Come on now. What are we doing? Now, I didn't think the Arizona Ram game would have been this bad, but Pittsburgh, Kansas City, you're like, Kansas City's going to win. I think we know this. But the Bengals-Titans is an interesting game. It is. A lot of people probably be picking the Bengals, but Mike Vrabel's going to have that Titan team prepared. The 49ers-Packers, it's a good game. I would pick the Packers, but if there's a team in the NFC that's going to beat the Packers in Lambeau, it's the 49ers because they can run the football. And we've seen it recently in the 2019 playoffs, what Kyle Shanahan can do when you run the football against Matt LaFleur. Now, they're totally different teams, totally different personnel, but that was a wild playoff game when the Packers were absolutely embarrassed. And you have the Rams-Bucks picking the Bucks, But you know the Rams have one of the better offensive minds in Sean McVay. Good quarterback in Matt Stafford. Stars all over their defense. You got Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller. Got some underrated players on the defense as well, like Sean Robinson, players like that. So, could get interesting, although I would pick the Bucks And then the Bills Chiefs, I can go either way there. Pat Mahomes, I mean, in Kansas City, which makes me lean in that direction, but you got Pat Mahomes, Kansas City, against Josh Allen and that team that just did that to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Sign me up to watch that. This is going to be a very, very entertaining playoffs, and I'm looking forward to it. Alrighty, everybody. This is Nick Filato signing off of Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I hope you all enjoyed this show. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. Take care of yourself, be safe, and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.